Hey friend, welcome to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast, where we are all about taking inspired action towards showing up as the most confident and authentic version of ourselves. My name is Jess Bergio, and I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur dedicated to sharing the behind the scenes of how others created a life and business of their dreams. Each week, you can count on multiple episodes bringing you an inside look at how you too can create the life and business of your dreams. Life and business isn't meant to be done alone. Join the Beauty Inspires Beauty community where we connect each week to share our goals, dreams, and aspirations every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Okay, welcome back to the ah, Inspires Beauty Podcast, y'all. I like y'all. you call me Trap. Do you? Sorry, I know everyone, I got, everyone calls me Jess, too, and it kind of stuck. So you're you just, you're Trap. If that's cool, I'll call you Trap. Yeah, we're, we're four-letter names. It's it's on. <laughs> and, <laughs> you got to be Jess with two S's, though. When you feel like you've known somebody your entire career, I kind of was like, I haven't always got to watch like an IG version, but I've also always been a fan by way of your name coming up in rooms that I've been around since I started in the industry a really long time ago. But you actually have me beat by just a couple of years. Um, So Travis Parker, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm so hyped to be here. We've already been cracking up. I thought the show already started. No, see, I just, I like to do a little pre-hype and then as soon as something good starts, I'm like, there we go. Because it's on. Hey, it's not, on. A, not everybody can just flow. And then some people need a little, like, they got to get the jitters out. And sometimes I even have to stop and I'm like, actually, let's start over because I feel like there's so much more. But with you, I mean, I feel like you've been doing this kind of stuff for years now and teaching, education, um, articulating ways that people can learn things is just kind of who you are and what you do. So can you give the people, my beauty industry people, because this podcast is focused on our industry, um, some insight as to who you are. I know you've got a lot of years to sum up, but can you just tell us how you got into the industry? Yeah, that's, I mean, first of all, again, thank you so much. I'm so hyped. And I'm so hyped to be here with a fellow San Diegan right now. Mm. So for all of our friends out there that are watching abroad, like this is coming from San Diego and the yeah. weather right now is butter. It's so, so good. good. So come hang out with us at SD. Yes. Um, no, I got into the industry probably like most of us. And I've talked to so many, right? Um, I got into it because I was a person that had self-expression. I was a person that craved um, artistry and I craved culture and, and I was immersed in it with my friends. And we all started to, you know, dress in a certain way that complemented our vibe and our style. And, and at a young age, I was realizing that hair was just another cog. It was just another component in what made us, us, what put our signature to anything. And I had a friend that was interested in school and, he started going to cosmetology school. I was 15 at the time. I was like a little punk rock skateboard kid. Um, and we got some photos uh, that we've just pulled up recently. Which I, I got have to those. Show We're going to use those. <laughs> oh, dude. It's so core. It's so good. Uh, it's so funny because I was such a baby. Um, but needless to say, my buddy started going to school and he was like, Trav, like you would like it. And at that time there, and I mean this in the, just the honest truth, there wasn't a lot of straight guys that were getting into hair. I, from zero to 16, um, my dad was in the army. So I grew up as an army brat my whole life. And so here I was in this rebellious stage against that. And then I was sort of popping off into an industry that where my dad was like, oh my gosh, like what is happening to our child? And and nothing was happening. And they gave me exactly what I needed to lead me to that moment where I realized that I was supposed to be a hairdresser. Mm. And, and this was going to become my forum and my industry and my discipline to be my best with my creative direction and inspiration. 
um, whether it was through self-expression or helping other people through self-esteem and making them feel good about their vibe. Like it was something for me from the very beginning. Um, I'd say like most of us that I knew I was supposed to be a hairdresser. Like I knew that was my jam and I knew that was my world. And regardless of stereotypes, when you know something fits, like it is very obvious. And if you are in question of that, it, it probably isn't what I'm talking about because when it is, it is very distinguishable. And here I am, I'm 51. And that was when I was 15, I had to be 16 to actually start. So I was 16, I guess, technically. And here I am 51, still inventing myself and still like charging hard and freaking loving the industry. And now with so much behind me, like I got so much experience, it's insane. Like I feel like the luckiest cat, you know, in the, in the bunch. So yeah, clearly there are chapters in all of that, my friend um, and friends. But um, yeah, like you guys, I just, I found something I loved and I, I've been pushing hard since. You've been riding the wave ever since. I love that. So yeah, okay. and crashing the way the, oh. when the waves crash, like I, I'm there too. Fair, fair. That's super fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I so much of that resonates with me, and I love every time. And that's why I ask that specific question at every episode with someone who's in the industry because. I would, I've got to do the math now. I have to go back and listen to all the episodes and I have to do the average of, but I want to say that 80 to 90% of people that I've interviewed on this show that are still in the industry or were a big part of the industry fell into it by way of a friend saying, Hey, you should come to school with me. That happened with me. Yeah. And it was almost like that same sort of feeling of this is, this felt like it was meant to be. Um, yeah. And I find for a lot of men, I get that same like passion that you just talked about too, uh, about they knew and then they've stuck with it. And it's just like the thing. I think for me, you know, I had mentors who were very much like you at that level where I questioned for a while if I was a good enough hairdresser or if this was I was meant to do this, like you kind of just said, because I was surrounded by people that like ate, slept and breathed this shit. And that is all they yeah. talked about. It's all they wanted yeah. to talk about. And I was like, well, shit, maybe I'm not a great hairdresser because I like to do other things. And yeah. it was Abe that pulled me <laughs> you aside. You mean you had balance? Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I didn't know. Oh my that. God, crazy. <laughs> Well, and that's a female thing, I think, too. And also maybe, I don't fair. know, maybe it's fair, right? Well, because we're it's like our purse, right? Like if you look at our purse, there's a lot going on. It's the same within our heads. Like you guys are very good at like putting things in boxes and like uh -huh. focusing on one thing at a time. Um, so I don't know who is better at what, but like, let's just leave it at that. Um, so but <laughs> maybe he it's was, the combination that works. I don't know. It is. And I think it's great when like I was mentored by someone like that. Then I was also mentored by someone like Stephanie Kachowski, who's also like me. And then, you know, there's like a a lot of people in the industry that helped define me for who I was. But Abe also said to me, it's good that you're young. You're 21, 22. You don't shit about life yet. Like go out, live life, do things, bring conversation back to your clients until you get yeah. really good at doing hair so that they make you, they make them like you so that you, they want to keep coming to see you until you get technically as good as I am. And that gave me like the permission to like go be myself and like learn and grow and fall on my face too. Like you talked about. So, I mean, this industry is such a supportive community. Wouldn't you say like growing up in the industry, like what would you say are some of like the bigger great life lessons you've learned? Obviously it's been your whole adulthood. So probably literally everything, but can you relate back to a yeah. time that like is defining for you that you were like, that really helped me in life or like that one mentor person really like shifted or made it, you know, some difference. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think I could I could talk to a million moments, um, but specifically to kind of take this moment and stabilize what we were just talking about. You're, you're going to be around all different kinds of people. And what fits you is you. And at different times in your life, you're going to find that you're more obsessive over something and you only want to hang out with obsessive people upon that same subject. You're going to find that you're in times of your life or chapters of your life where you need balance. Like for me, I have to be outside. Like I need to go ride my bike. I like taking walks. Like I like hanging out with friends again. Like I've gone through chapters where I didn't even hang out with my friends because all I could do was hair. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're always where you're supposed to be. It's identifying your purpose at that moment. And, and, I, and I, I should say that to stabilize what we were just talking about, because no matter where you're at in your career, you know, whether you're going through a moment like yours, Jess, where you, you kind of needed a couple different things and, and that complemented where you're at in your nature at that moment. You know, I find that I can't just do hair at this place in my life. Like I'm almost the opposite of where I was, you know, when I was really young and, and not any less inspired, but just in a different place where different things feed me now. Um, you know, there's, 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 there's so many moments that happen that are our trophies that we exhibit, we show, we put on our mantle, you know, we're, we have pride to no end. Um, and those moments we can, we can sing about, you know, they, they naturally come with a voice. It's the moments in between that, you know, I think are, are less talked about or less celebrated, I should say. And, and, and I choose the word celebrated because those are the moments where things did happen, shift happened, change happened, um, epiphanies happened, um, dawnings occurred. Um, you know, there were moments where I failed at something and I had to figure out how to get my two feet again back up and get my body upright again so I can move forward and I could continue upon my path. Um, you know, those milestones are the things that give us grit and we understand that we have, you know, tenacity or we don't, or we don't love something enough to keep going. And we, that becomes a moment where we're like, you know, fuck, I tried and, and now I'm done. Like, I'm glad that I went through it. It led me to where I'm at and I'm over it. I'm going to shift and move in a different direction. But I say that, and then I'll sort of put a period at the end of this is, is that when things are knocked off the table and your life is a like in shitters, you know what I mean? Like things are kind of not in the most glorious moments. You always have that opportunity of what to pick up and what to put back that becomes your habit again, your new way. And do you pick up the same bullshit that you had before that led you to that moment where you're eating it now? Or, or do you not? And accept that that was a chapter in your life and now you need to grow from it. And that's why you're in the chapter now that you're in. And so specific yeah i could talk to specific things but generally speaking i find that in 30 uh, yeah six years of doing hair like yeah like i've done a lot of dope hair but i've also done a lot of shitty hair and i've also made people bummed out and i've also like made mistakes with businesses and i've had many businesses now um but all of those had led me to where i'm at and again i think i'm in the best place i've ever been right now as a hairdresser and as a person period so that's amazing crazy long answer. No, I am a huge fan of long answers. I am the most long-winded roundabout tell a story in 20 minutes that could have been told in five as anybody you'll meet. But I do, I think that's the part about us that people love and why clients are always so entertained. And that's part of the experience that they get with you when they come in for a haircut or color, whatever it is, is that whole overarching package of, you know, what you as a person bring to the table as far as that experience. And, you know, when I was moving from behind the chair 
salon ownership into doing coaching and podcasting, you know, it was hard for me to like, how do you unpack 22 years of things that you've learned and done and make it teachable other than yeah. it's one thing to teach a haircut, right? I can teach you this specific haircut. I can teach you this color technique. That's a, I get that. That was how my brain worked. Like show me the picture. I'll create the look for you. No problem. But when people come to you with more personal development mindset, are you going to pick up the same bullshit like you just said and keep going? Are you going to make different decisions? That's where I felt like, okay, those are the conversations I'm having with my clients right now. Yeah, their hair is pretty good. I've never been like, I don't think a world-class hairdresser, but yeah, I think- me neither. The package you get from me is world-class, right? Like you leave feeling yeah. better overall. You might be like, mm, my bangs might be a little fried today, but I really enjoyed my time with Jess today. <laughs> Yeah, Jess is the bomb. I could never leave her, no matter how <laughs> shitty my hair is. Yeah, my bangs will grow back. It's fine. But no, yeah. and, and that's one of those things that gave me permission to like be myself in this industry, watching other people, admittedly, like you, like I, you know, I'm I'm good, but I'm maybe not the best, but I try my hardest and I'm still passionate about what I do. And so I knew that as long as I still had passion around who I was talking to, I could figure out what I had to say as I went. Um, and that's the part where, you know, even in this industry, it listening to you right now i feel like there might have been a missing gap where i separated myself too much from the pack working on my own and didn't stay around energy like you and just how like passionate you are just about life and the season that you're in right now to stay committed to the craft itself i thought oh i can't do both i need to move away from that because it's not lighting me up anymore it's not I, i'm not doing my clients a service by still doing it if my heart's over here but yeah. I think this is a teachable moment right now and a, and a kind of a truth told for me um, that you just kind of pulled out for me was sometimes it's your energy, your environment that's creating whatever energy that you're feeling. And I know probably it's true for you. You've probably been in situations in your in your career where that energy wasn't matched anymore and it was time to go. Um, yeah. And I don't think that shit's talked out, talked about enough. And I think, unfortunately, it's not encouraged enough either from either salon owners or if you're working for a brand or something, if that alignment's off, it's not like, oh my God, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. Let me help you figure it out. Uh, no, it's usually like, well, then get the fuck out of here. And uh, you know, you better not be taking anybody with you and opening your own salon, bitch. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's like that. And it's not always like that. I don't want to stereotype fully, but Fuck, that's kind of been my experience. So I guess I can speak to that. Um, what about for you? Have you noticed that you've been in situations where it maybe made you question what you were doing or where you were doing well, it at? For sure. I mean, I think that, first of all, I'll say that everything you just said is, is I think is it's singing. Like, I'm so happy that you just said what you said. And I think that so much of your job, my job, or anybody that's chose to be a facilitator or speak in front of others, our job is to let people know that it's okay. No matter where they're at, by comparison to others, they're at where they're at. And that's the moment that they need to figure out. Not anybody else's shit by comparison, but with where you're at, it's okay. And so if you're fucking confused, that's okay. Confusion leads to epiphany. Confusion leads to curiosity. And confusion leads to, to the dawnings that will change your life. So matter of fact, embrace that. And I'm not telling you while you're emotional and you're a hot fucking mess, that you're going to be able to pull your head out of your A at that moment. But in the greater good, in those deeper thoughts and in those moments where it is you by yourself at the curb, that's okay. Yeah. Because you get to figure out how to get up and you get to figure out how to move forward again. And not by comparison, but using others as inspiration to understand what's possible. And we don't know what their fucking process was. We don't know how many of these low moments they had that we're talking about. And I guarantee you they had a lot. Yeah. Because it doesn't just come with a rule book or, or a handbook on how to pull shit off. Like that, that wasn't written. And even if it was, it wouldn't apply to you. 
or apply to me or anybody else. It would apply to them only. And so I say all that because, yeah, there, there are a million moments where I question myself. There's a million moments where I don't have the answers. I'm trying something I've never done before, and I don't even know who to call. And the higher you get on any mountain, the lonelier it is up there because less people reach that point. Right. And then you find that a lot of people at that point are, have a competitive nature, so they're off limits. You know, and then you find that there's a couple little, you know, ones that you'll meet here or there that give you some guiding word. And you're like, I'm so glad I know that person now. And they become something of a friend that lasts for a lifetime, if not a mentor, or if not, you know, somebody you form a business with. God effing knows, right? But we don't know until we listen. We don't know until we pay attention. We don't know unless we put ourselves out there to not have the answers, to be at a level that is unexplored. Like these are all the times where we grow. And we don't know. And we, we fear not knowing so much. Sorry, this is all in my breath. We fear not knowing so much that we'll usually back down and go a couple feet back to an elevation that's more comfortable and more familiar. And then we stabilize and stunt our growth at that point. And so, yeah, I've had a million moments where I didn't have the answers. And I've had a million of those moments where not having it led me to fucking up. But fucking up led me to that next moment where I'm like, ooh, now I know. And can I use that experience to be better and stronger and more cerebral and less emotional and, you know, and, and develop? So, yeah, I have those moments all the time. Imposter syndrome is something that is, I think, part of all of us uh, at some point. Some of us have stronger egos to not necessarily sort of fear it in the same way. But I think to a degree, when we don't know something, we can feel a sense of ill prepared because we haven't had experience upon it. So yeah, I have had a million moments of questioning myself. I still do. And it probably means that I'm still alive and I'm still pushing myself. So yes, you're still human. I love that. And you know, we're ever evolving and everything in your life always is changing. You know, people are coming and going like good things happen, bad things happen, life happens, the unexpected happens. And we're not meant to always be on the same path all the time forever mm. and ever. And so I think my deep- And how boring if we were, right? Seriously, no, no thanks. That's for the birds. And FYI, <laughs> FYI, I already, within the first like few episodes, I got explicit um, rating on this podcast. So feel free to use all the words. My people know they, they are in a place where if they don't care for them, they do not listen to my show. Um, so We're free with words here. <laughs> speak freely, my San Diego local friend. Yes, we, we good. Like, I got lots of that. Fuck a lot. You know, it's it's just yeah, our thing. Yeah. Um, but in 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 a more like granular question around leaving an environment that's not working for you, have you been in a situation at a salon where you worked for somebody possibly, or you worked for a brand, or you were in, you know? contract with somebody and it, it felt out of alignment. It wasn't where you wanted to be anymore. How did you handle a situation like that? Um, yeah, I've had a couple moments where I left places. I've had more moments where I was the boss and mm -hmm. I had to fire people. Okay. Uh, so I could probably talk to that more so, but it, to your question, yeah, I tried to work up in LA twice, uh, in my career, once in the nineties and once in the early two thousands. And I, like any hungry hairdresser that didn't grow up in LA, had big eyes for celebrity hair and being famous because you do celebrity hair. And I was like, shit, like, okay, like I want that. And so there was a couple moments where I, I uh, sort of pieced out of San Diego, not completely, um, but got a flat up in LA and worked up at a salon called Privé. And um, I worked with this guy, Laurent D. Laurent was cool as hell. 
Um, but the environment, the contextual environment of the, the tribe that was at least at that space at that time in his history, when, when I happened to be part of it, was terrible. Like it was, it was hostile and it was gossipy and it was, you know, it was the stereotypical like terrible hair salon. And I was like, this fucking sucks. Like this blows, like I'm out. Like I don't want to work in a place like this. And where I worked at in San Diego was a place called Model Call. And we all loved each other. Like we were, it was, there was a nest there and like anybody that was cool could come in. And if you were a happy, fun person with cool, like vibes, like we wanted to be your friend, like we, we invited you in. And so, you know, that was a moment when I knew that I had to, I had to, I had to see it. I had to climb over the fence and like try it out just to see if the shoes fit. Um, but I had to leave. Like it wasn't, it wasn't my vibe and I had to be aware of what was complimenting my, my energy. And, you know, because I know, most of us, I don't know about you specifically, but if we have energy that sucks, you know, over here, it probably is transferred right over to here because we're the common denominator in the equation. And so we just carry our bullshit. So I was a person that tried to make decisions upon being in environments and aware of it when they were not positive anymore and, and tried to exit. And then the second time I worked up in LA, it was, it was just, it was just confirmation that, you know, I could certainly work in LA, but the two places that I worked at were not my jam. And if I worked up there, I'd have to probably work with some of my dear friends that live up there and just like a private studio like I have here, but up there. Right. And then it would probably be great. I'm sure. But, but when you say though, in those moments of like being in environments that didn't serve you, did it teach you things that you wanted to be sure to never allow in your space once you created your own? Like, did you, were you able to like reverse engineer kind of and say, Hey, I get that that's, that's how that, that worked over there. And that might work for LA or that might work for those people. But like, when I have the opportunity to have my own place, these are the, this is my vision for it. And this is how I'm going to create this culture. Yeah. It's, that's a brilliant question. Um, yeah, I think we're, if we're, if we're aware enough to try to exit, we're probably pretty attention. We have a lot of attention to detail in general. And so, you know, for me, again, nothing came with a rule book. I didn't come with instructions. And so every single thing I was doing, I was just figuring out. Yeah. And so, yeah, what sucks is immediately something where you're like, shit, I cannot be that kind of a leader, you know, or what sucks is like, I could never tolerate that sort of vibe in my, in my space. Um, yeah, you know, it, it taught me a lot about policies and procedures. You know, if what you don't put on the front end of an agreement when somebody comes and works with you, you deal with on the back end, either through a lawsuit or a mess, you know what I mean, of some kind. And it's not fun. It's not fun for anybody involved. And so, you know, it, it really helped me with my businesses to understand, to get things in place so that when people were going to come work for me, I was really giving them the instructions of what it was to work for us, what our brand spoke of, what our, our vibe was, our intention, our aesthetic, you know, all those different things. It helped me to understand that you had to put certain things in place. You know, you quickly learn as well that you don't fire the wrong person, you hire the right person, but that only comes with hindsight. And so, that comes from working in a place where like you hired a bunch of fucking bozos to work here. And so you got a clown show. Like that's no mystery. Like now you got to fire a bunch of clowns because you were trying to hire hairdressers. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, and sheep's clothing. So yeah, I think I learned those sorts of things and, and that became tremendous. I, I also had to fail a couple of times with all these things in my own, in my own ways to really, I think own where I'm at now. But I think in, in the best way, you, you learn that the ending of something is the beginning of something new. And, and you know, those experiences in LA, they led me to my something news. They led me to 2003 when I opened up my first space in La Jolla. 
And, um, you know, that was like all of us that do our first salon. That was my fucking dream come true. Like once I got into hair school, I was like, cool. I don't know how to cut hair, but I want to own my own hair salon. And you're like, you're fucking mad. Like learn hair first, but like, that's your first dream. Right. So yeah, it led me to the place where I knew I wanted to create my environment. I wanted to create my brand. And, and that was something that was, you know, very close to my heart. And, um, and that was the birth of my first space in 2003, which is shit 20 years ago now, no more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 20. Yes. Um, yes. Well, that's what I mean. I graduated school in 2000. So when you, when you say like, what do you mean you're a fan? Like I've known about the, your salon, who you are for my entire career. So, you know, that's the part it's a where trip. I, isn't that's it? A trip. I know. Yeah. And it, I'm so young. Look at me. I know you. We've only just gotten here. No, I know. And I, I blow people's mind too, even with saying 22 years, they're like, wow, because I feel like this industry is one for, there are a lot of seasoned people who have been doing it for a really long time, but there are also a lot of people who fall off because like you said earlier, they discover maybe it's not for them or this life isn't, they can't keep up with the pace or for whatever the reason might be, they, they don't stick around for longer than five, six years, maybe seven. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, you probably know the study, but I've heard that the average hairdresser, I think is 24 or 25. So I mean, years? That, yeah, years of age. Oh, oh so years means, of age. Sorry, yeah. I thought you meant in the career. I was going to say, no, no, I would say, yeah, with that said, I would say three to four years in the career, basically. And then people pop off. Right. And so the, like, average, oh, the average stylist is 25 years old. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It's either 24 or 25. So I think a lot of us start as teenagers. And then by the time we're in our mid thirties, we're like, I hate this. Mm. Or we say, I love it. You know what I mean? But that's really just the, the minority of us get past that point. Totally. So if you could off to go on a tangent now, because now I'm thinking of you touched on you <laughs> know, when you graduate school yeah, and you think, okay, I don't know shit about doing hair yet, but I love it. I love this yeah. industry. I want to be my own boss. I want to be creative. I want to make my own hours. I want, I want, I want, I want to open my own salon. Yeah. Do you think that it's who of the beauty schools to now teach business education for those who are wanting to step out into entrepreneurship, even though we are all accidental entrepreneurs by fault because we are all responsible for our own book of business, whether you're commission, independent, renter, whatever. But the majority of us are not taught shit about business. And if we all started as young as you and I, like we didn't go to college for, you know, business, which it wouldn't have even really applied right now anyways, because online marketing didn't exist the way it, well, it didn't exist then. I'll just put yeah. a period on that. We didn't have yeah. these things. I'm waving a cell phone for those of you younger <laughs> millennials. We had to go out and talk to people. It was called guerrilla marketing. I'll say that slower. Guerrilla marketing. It's when you like did your hair and makeup and you stood outside the Nordstrom's cafe with your little cars and you would say, yeah. hey girl. And you like pass out flyers and you're like, come two for one. If your friend comes with you, yeah, she's free. <laughs> or you can do the free one. She pays whatever you figured out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. That Those were the good old days. But do you think that the schools now need to be teaching this business education for those who are interested in, in salon ownership? I think you just said the word interested. Um, I think we will learn when we're interested. We will not learn until, you know what I mean? I've, I've been a facilitator and a teacher for 20 plus years now. Like I can teach a student that wants to learn. I cannot teach a student that doesn't want to be there. And so it doesn't matter what you provide. If your audience isn't interested, you can talk all day long about the wisest things on the planet. Sure. Um, but again, until you have somebody that's interested, um, you know, it doesn't fall upon deaf ears. So, yeah, I think if there were 
first of all, I always think that there's there's pros and cons to everything. By them not teaching it, Jess, gives you and I the opportunity to share our experiences with other people and coach people in business and how to find profitability behind the chair. And I'm grateful that I have that opportunity to be able to consult others on on just my experiences, which is all I have. Um, you know, I think that that's rad. But if they offered it, yeah, I think it'd be cool to offer it, but I think it would almost be important for a lot of people to probably go smash hair for a little bit and then come back to that college to take the business classes when they're ready to take that next step. But understanding the discipline and everybody's different. So forgive me for my words. I don't mean to position this. Um, to, to take on a discipline as complicated as hairdressing is when it comes to color and cutting both. And if you take it to a serious level, there is a tremendous amount of time that goes into the mastery of the discipline of being a great hairdresser. Um, and that has nothing to do with business. And so whether they taught us basic elements, I think, and they sort of slid that in there somehow, I think that that would be helpful, you know, on how client retention, you know, pre-booking, you know, things like that, that, you know, help the, the, the most lowest, you know, the newest, I should say, stylist, the greenest stylist out there, you know, how to, how to understand, you know, okay, look, if your cost of goods are X, you need to make sure that your pricing is relevant to that. So you, you make a profitability and, and just give yourself a grace period as well, because you won't always profit right from the beginning. You know, simple things like that, I think, would would aid us. But when it gets into like, you know, really how to strategize PLs and reading data and and then using data to market, you know, to market your clients specifically and really getting into the mastery of all that shit. And, whew, I mean, at 16, I would have been like, bro, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. No, actually, sure. at, at 25, I would have said the same thing too. Like, I still don't know what you're talking about. Give me 10 more years. 100%. I totally agree. And that's why I'm so curious. And I've been asking that question, question more lately because, you know, I know there's a lot of really amazing schools out there right now for the technical, for the getting your actual license and going through the programs of learning hairdressing itself. But I don't know that there's, there's business schools for this specifically. But yes, it has created a whole avenue for people like us who have done the things to teach it, to have courses, to have programs, to have academies, like, and to facilitate it. So I am very grateful for that too. Um, and I think the level of which, you know, salons are playing at even now is far bigger and better than it was 15, 20 years ago. Two people know more now, and there's more to do yeah. now with the online marketing and how you position yourself to reach your clients. And, you know, paying attention to profitability is like business 101. If you can't figure out how to do that, you might as well just work for somebody. Uh, show up, <laughs> show up, do the thing, get your paycheck. Because if you don't want to mess with any of that- Which there's stuff, nothing wrong with that, right? No, <laughs> there's absolutely. A, yeah, yeah, it's and all good. I, and I think sometimes for me, especially when I opened my salon, it was literally a box check. I had been told over and over and over again, that was the next step I needed to take by everybody around me. And so as much as I knew I didn't want to micromanage people and I didn't want to manage people, period, um, I went ahead and did it anyways because a dream yeah. space fell in my lap. And while it was great and it was good and it worked, it wasn't for me. And yeah, I like to I roll it. on my yeah. own. And you know, I found that to be true. And I watched several people leave the sal bigger salons we were in, go open their own salon space and experience that very same thing. But like most people and most of us, I had to go do it on my own also. I had to be like, oh, let me see if I'm not like them. Oh, wait, yep, I am. Because I think yeah. there's a component where there's this creative expression and freedom that you want to have. And, you know, working with clients one-to-one, -one, you have that. And then when you're now responsible for other people's well-being and their jobs and you're talking payroll and you're doing all this other stuff, it takes you away from, you know, being able to focus on what you really love to do. Now, yeah. 
I've seen amazing things happen when people shift away from behind the chair, if maybe they're ready to like let that part go and go full into management and mentoring that I've seen happen really, really well. But it's um, it's I'm pressed to see people who are still actively full time behind the chair and running the salon business um, to the level of which it probably can be run. I know there are people doing it. Um, but man, you've got to have both those sides of your brain that is just like fully going. And again, yeah, it's it's a lot. I mean, no matter how you slice up any day, there's still just 24 hours. So how sure. many of you are there, right? So if you can do a really good job at replicating yourself and training people so they think exceptionally like-minded like you, you can build a platoon and get a lot of shit done. And and with that army, take over the world eventually. But um but it's really hard, back to the basics again, it's really hard to be really good at both. I wasn't very good when I first opened my salon. I wasn't very good at both. I wasn't good at managing people and still loving to do hair. And then I found that I was managing people more than doing hair. And then I found that most people that I was managing just weren't managing themselves, which required me to manage them. And then I was like, this sucks. Like, I wanna work with people that wanna work. And then I will mentor them to be better and to be, if you're a 10, let me fucking see if we can make you an 11. Like, let me see if you're an Olympian. Let me see if we can make that gold. You know what I mean? Like, let, let's, let me work with people that are hungry. And then I can, again, then I can teach. If I have a student, I can teach. It's the same thing. Um, but yeah, when you're first learning hair and then you're trying to run a business at the same time, like there's just a lot to know and it's really hard to pull it all off. Totally. And it's not that it's impossible. A lot of us no. do. True. Um, yeah. I didn't very well. Maybe Same. it looked like it on the no. sideline, but I don't, I don't know if it was very, no. Same. But that's what, I mean, I'm sure you find that too with clients that come to you for coaching that like they have figured it out to a certain degree and they've just been making it happen somehow, some way. And that's what I kind of started this off with telling you, like, how do you take 22 years of what you've been doing? Like the work ethic, the hunger, the like, the knowingness that this is where you're meant to go and dive into um and 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 turn around and teach that to people who are kind of like mm, yeah maybe i'm kind of in it's hard like there's a yeah. there's a differentiator of people who like even just listening to you talk i was like i'm the same way i'm like if you're hungry let's go but if you're not like that's the part where unfortunately as a as a business owner like you're meant to make money to own a business businesses yeah. aren't hobbies right so if you've got renters in there because you are just trying to fill chairs and unfortunately they're not super hungry and they don't have the same like work ethic as you and they don't see the vision and they're not really wanting to be part of the team they just want to show up and work that's a whole different ball game so yeah you know i think there you we should get dropped into two separate buckets like hey if you just want to do the thing like you go in this bucket and those of you who are like really want to like ride the train like you get in this bucket so yeah we know we should all wear signs that are like eh, I'm, I'm just toe dipping over here don't worry about me and then the other ones are like i'm fucking all the way in let's go <laughs> like arms trick. are up for the roller coaster yeah you know? no i love that i love that i think what we do start to experience too is is a sense of uh you know, when you've done it long enough, you start to understand that like-minded people draw like-minded people. And when I was younger, I, you know, back to high school, like if you smoked weed and smoked cigarettes, like I was fucking hanging out with you. And it didn't matter if you were a Hesher, you know what I mean? If you were a punk rocker, it didn't matter if you were to whatever, like yep. we had one like thing, one like-minded thing in common. And so we were going to hang out. You know, a lot of us, when it comes into hair and we're just building our first operations, we just want to hang out with hairdressers. So we'll bring anybody in. But what you start to understand is that your company is a brand. And just like a clothing brand, it attracts a specific demographic audience. Well, that's your audience. That's your audience that's buying your shit. 
That's your audience that's helping you build your shit. That's your audience. And, and if you can start to really understand what your brand is, people start to recognize it and they want to be part of it because it's like-minded. It's something that complements them. You know, it's the stoner back in high school that I wanted to hang out with. Like, I want to hang out with that guy. Like yeah. we have things in common. I want to hang out with Travis because that motherfucker does what he says. And when he says he's going to launch something, it launches. When he says he's going to do this, he does that. When he says he's going to teach me, he's present. You know what I mean? Like that hopefully is seen by people that want to work with me. Yeah. And, and that I just, yeah, when I was young, I was just trying to find anything in common to hang out with people and build a tribe. And then I was like, uh, maybe we're oh, not like-minded. And then you're firing everybody, right? Yeah. Or you end up looking around thinking, okay, I've tried to fit in this box. I've tried to fit in this box long, box long enough. And I'm not actually like any of these people. I have to stop pretending and, you know, do all the same things because it's not who I am, you know? And so, you know, as much as I I touched on working for, you know, Robert Crummings and those guys in the beginning, it was amazing. They were like, they, they gave me the permission to realize I could be my own person in this industry um, by the way that they showed up. So it's always like a blessing for me having had that experience in those mentors. I mean, look at Robert, he's still like his own unique fucking person. He does whatever the fuck he wants. It's like, I love Robert. I still I, talk to that guy. Yeah, how could you not love Robert? Like I always give he's Robert so many, like he's such a good dude. He really such is. A good dude. And he talk yeah. about heart and talk about industry love and just talk about committed to the bigger vision of just this industry as yeah. a whole. So shout out to you, yeah. Robert. Um, yeah. Shout out Robert. We're thinking about out. you, brother. Yes. Yeah. And um, congratulations to Paul Mitchell right now for bringing in, um, uh, Chris Mooney, uh, to help them with all their artistic direction. That's really dope too. Another old deal. school, good dude. That's, uh, keeping it alive. Uh, so I appreciate that. That's awesome. Um, it's funny. I was talking to my son about, um, about some stuff the other day and, and he, and this kind of plays into our conversation of about, you know, you're constantly learning, you're constantly developing that helps you strategize things so that you figure out what you can report to. And it's not a persona. It's really who you are as a person. And, and, and that allows you to have consistency to start building all your stuff. And, you know, anyways, as we're talking about that, it reminded me of the conversation I was having with my son Hudson the other day. And he wanted to get rid of one of his soccer jerseys that's of a player from last season. And he's like, dad, I want to get rid of my Jesus jersey. And I'm like, why? And he's like, well, because he's not with the team anymore. And I go, well, that makes that jersey that much more special now. And he's like, well, no, he's not with the team anymore. And I go, brother, I go, if you just keep replacing things, you're never getting anywhere. If you start to digest your DNA that yesterday made you who you are today, and that provides you with more experience that makes you a wiser person, why would you get rid of that? And he was like, oh, dang, dad, like you just dropped it right now. I was like, you should put that jersey in like a frame because that shit's part of a memory. And that now, you know, makes you who you are. And we're big motorsports fans in our family as well. And I watch a lot of Formula One, F1 hat. And, um, and needless to say, he's sort of into soccer right now and less into F1. He's like, dad, I don't really like F1 anymore. And I'm like, that's cool. And he goes, so I don't really like want to watch it as much anymore. And I'm like, that's cool. And he's like, so I don't really want, you know, this anymore. And I go, are you breaking up with F1? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, no, I just don't really like it anymore. And I go, why would you want to break up with your past? I go, so you don't like it as much anymore. And soccer is your new thing. But again, you get into a conversation with anybody on this planet of any age and guess who will have content in their conversation? I go, don't you ever forget your past. That is who you are. And that is what makes you who you are. And uh, so to that point, and to any of the set of ears that are listening to our conversation, every bit of your mistakes, again, full circle and all of this makes you who you are. 
And whether it's that you get into management and you realize that you're managing a bunch of, like I said earlier, it's the analogy, you hire a bunch of bozos and then you realize you're working with clowns. Um, you know, that's all experience. That's what gets you to that next moment. But expecting to be at the peak of every great thing in your life at every moment is unrealistic. So yeah, absorb the past, use it, listen to fools like us that have a couple moments between then and now. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah, yes. we, we can all get through this together and it's, it's okay to be I where love we're that. at. Yes. So, okay. So one last question before we tell everybody how they can get more of you, work with you, do all the things. What was it that shifted you from owning the salon to now working into your own space? Because I, I caught that real, real briefly. Was there a pivotal moment where you decided like you just wanted to go back to doing you and your clients and creating content or where was that shift and how did that happen? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And it plays right from what we were talking about with management. Um, you know, I had 10 years of a big salon in La Jolla and we had a lot of great moments. We won a lot of stuff, accolades, recognition, but behind the scenes, it was, it, there was a small fire in the, you know, the break room at all times. And, and uh, it was just burning, burning at us. And, and it was burning at my personal relationship with my wife too. And, and basically I got to a point where I had to make a decision of what I was going to do and, and focus on what I thought was the right thing. And that was my family. And so I decided to shut La Jolla down just because it was, it was a fucking nightmare. And uh, we had all kinds of support to help us get through what we had get, gotten ourselves into. Um, but the ROI was still so far out that it was just a nightmare. And I remember at one point looking through a magazine, old school, uh, looking through a physical magazine. And I remember seeing a salon in New York and I forget who it was, some cool person probably, um, obviously, because it was this rad, but it was an apartment that was converted into a hair salon. And it was on like the whatever floor of some tall building in, in Manhattan. And I was like, that's dope. Like, that's what I fucking want. I want somebody to feel like they're coming to my house like you were like, if I invited you over for dinner, I'd probably ask you what you like to eat. I would probably not serve you something that you didn't want to eat. I'd probably want to know if you drink or if you smoke weed so I can make sure I have those fun things just for you. And I'd make it about you if I was inviting you into my home. And, and when I saw this picture in the magazine, I was like, oh, yes, like I get to host my client. Like I get to bring my client into my home, but it's a salon and I don't live in my space at all. Like I totally separate that shit. But I remember it really distinguishably. Like I, I remember the colors in the room still in my mind. It was colors that I'm not even drawn to necessarily. Lots of purples and blues and aqua colors. And, and uh, it sounds horrible right now, but, um, but again, I was enamored by it. And so in that moment where I was trying to figure out what my next step was going to be, I knew that I wanted to do a private shop. I knew I wanted to get back to what we had talked about earlier. And that was the artistry of, of hair and not managing people. Um, and, you know, fortunately I've developed lots of great relationships from those wonderful people I got to manage, but um, yeah, just, this was going to be my, my mojo. And so I, I found the space, it was an apartment and here on Cedros in Solana beach. And I converted it into the space that it is now, which is now a film studio, which is where I'm in right this very moment. And just behind me is the cutting chair. Um, and then back over there is where the bedroom is. And that's my dispensary and there's a living room and I'll have to have you check it out at some point. Uh, but needless to say, when I first opened, I still had an assistant that came with me from the salon and I had assistants for 20 something years. 
And when she moved on, I brought on a new girl that worked for me for a short amount of time. And then she was going to move to the East Coast with her dude. And I started training another assistant. And I was like, I don't fucking want anybody else here. Like, I just want to like be with my client. Like I am really capable of doing a shampoo myself. I am highly overqualified to do a toner. Like I overqualified to do a blow dry. I can do all that shit that they're doing for me. And I got my hands wet again. And that's when I fell in love with my business again. That's when I fell in love with hairdressing again. And I was not expecting that. Like I was, that was not even why I did it at all. And so I haven't had an assistant now for nine years, I think. Wow. Um, Yeah. Nine, almost 10 years and somewhere right in there. I mean, it's been a hot minute. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed with my academy and I've worked with L'Oreal for 15 years, traveling all over the place for those guys, teaching and training. I get paid to train people. And so, and I, again, I'm highly, I'm an effective, efficient guy. I can do shampoos and I can get my hands wet. I grew up in the military, so I am, I am not too sweet to do anything. So, and I kind of like cleaning. So that's, it all worked out. (laughs) It all worked out. And it's your mess. So it's not so bad to clean when it's just your. Yeah. And I'm a clean bitch. So it doesn't ever get messy. (laughs) Well, and then after the experience of working with a bunch of people who were, you know, dumpster firing in the back of your salon, that's just like the juxtapose of that is like, I will happily take my own fucking trash out then deal with all that shit. I'm sure. Yeah. It's like being in a bad relationship and then you get out and you're like, why didn't I leave that a million years ago? You're like, God, that was idiotic. Well, and, and not to shit on anybody's dream of salon ownership, because it's not always yeah, like sorry, that. And sorry, for, everyone. And we for love ten, salon. We no, we you. do. And we need you. Yeah. And for 10 years, you you ran a tight ship and you had what was a dream for so, so long. And it's like, I think, again, going back to the thing you said in the very beginning, like there's seasons and chapters of your life where things fit a purpose and they work. And then maybe, you know, priorities shift and you have a family and like those tend to like kind of take front center stage. And that's what shifted everything for me when I had my son, he's almost 11. So for 10 years, I grinded like nobody's business. It was show up, do it, go full out, make the money, double book, assistant, assistant, nine to nine, Tuesday through Saturday. But then you have a kid and I'm like, well, do I want to keep doing that and not participate in his life? Or do I want to be able to pick him up from school? So that's where it got me curious and asking better questions. Like you were saying of like, where do I want to be? How can I show up in both worlds? Like I want. And so now that you so now you, you've worked for l'oreal for umpteen years you you love teaching you're doing all the things you created your own academy can you tell us what that is i know people are listening like what do you do how do you how can we get apart because i know you have multiple ways that people can do in person they can do online you've got academies you've got subscriptions to haircuts that you do tell us like the the overarching of all of the things that you you have um yeah thanks so much oh my god i could we could have this podcast be eight hours i swear to god i <laughs> I have been, I've been editing out so much and again, I've been talking too much. Uh, Yeah. I've I've worked for L'Oreal as a national ambassador for them for 16 years, 17 years. And I've had the opportunity to develop content for them on a global scale, you know, through and throughout at this place in time, I have sort of given my hat to a couple great humans that are helping to run the cutting department for them now. Um, I left my legacy with this last cutting curriculum. I, I helped to write with them with a, a dear friend. Um, but I'm I'm really more of a personality role for them now. And I'm stepping more into like, I help them host, co-host their last uh, annual events. And, and so, yeah, kind of stepping more into that role, which is really fun and totally new and part of my career I didn't do before. So 
yeah, learning new things about myself and that, which is super exciting. Um, I'm also with my studio here. Um, I put together my own production company. So I, I have Travis Parker Productions now. And that came kind of by accident during COVID. And uh, I started needing to pick up my own content. And with the subscription that I'll tell you about in just a sec, like the turnaround on all that was so, there's so much that it was, I couldn't afford to pay somebody else. I had to invest so I could do it myself. Um, but with that, birth the production company and a role with L'Oreal to help them run and broadcast events. And so whether it's their live events and I'm helping them with bringing in the speakers and branding it and doing the graphics for backgrounds and lower thirds and running the production and the breakouts and all that crap. Um, yeah, I learned quite a bit about that and have been helping them. And Karastas, we just did a job with recently where we shot one of their artists in here. Um, and I've got a dude that, that is a videographer and has a production company in LA that I've partnered with. And so we're starting to, to build content on location now. Um, we uh, are editing some of their videos that they're getting from France right now that need certain things changed because we don't have it in the US market here. So we're working on that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so I have a production company. So, and I'm a hairdresser, which has been a really beautiful thing in this new marriage with them is that I understand the brand, I understand the audience and being in front of the camera teaching for so long, you know, I, I, I've got that part so I can help to coach our speakers and, and help to help them relax a little bit and get their words out, their messages, you know, clearly out, um, all those things. So yeah, that said five years ago, birthed Travis Parker Academy and Travis Parker Academy was me just getting to a place in my life where I wanted passive income. I attempted to pull that off with the salon in La Jolla and you know, that didn't turn into what I thought. And I'm a big nerd with digital stuff in general and always have been. And, you know, I thought like, yo, I need to start, you know, getting into that category and that, that, that part of our industry is I already am just not on a, on an invested level as my own brand. And so I realized at the age of 45 or six or whatever I was that, you know, I'm not 25 anymore. Like I'm not hanging out at cool bars and cool clubs. And like you, I got an almost 11 year old and, um, you know, I'm, I'm a dad like I, and I love my job to no end, but I'm not an early adapter, you know, partying and doing exit clubs at 19 years of age anymore. That's not my jam. And so I knew when I was building content that I couldn't build trend-based content based upon a lack of authenticity in it. And so I realized that I would have to write my own discipline. And so I wrote my own ABCs on how to learn cutting hair. And based upon my experiences with L'Oreal of writing multiple disciplines for them, you know, taking bits and pieces from everything I had done, you know, I started to derive what we have now called hairdressing made easy. And it's three different pillars. It's kind of it's called CC cutting course one, cutting course two, cutting course three. It's beginner, intermediate, advanced. Um, we, I wrote it in a way of uh, very back to men and women in a very modulized sense so that it's in bite-sized pieces and it's short increments of information that I think complement our attention spans right now. Um, and uh, yeah, I started developing that. We were teaching it in person for about four to five years before we shot the first curriculum. That became a shit show with the production company. Part of the reason I have this now too. And uh, needless to say, a long story short, um, we have amazing content now. 
Um, we teach all three courses in person here in San Diego. It's only five people per class. So it's very intimate. I have a, a gentleman that teaches with me, Jeremy Taylor is his name. He's amazing. Um, we teach it online, which we allow 10 students online. We have three displays, four displays right up in front of me here that allow us to really understand where the student is in relation to the assignment so we can see them. Um, we set everybody up to succeed with lighting and all this different stuff that help them film themselves. And, and then with that said, we uh, have a trend subscription called The Cutting Edge. And for just under 10 bucks a month, you get two haircuts a month. And it is me just scouring different sites and social platforms to find what I think is trending. And then with one voice and one message based upon hairdressing made easy, continuing to break those cuts down. Um, yeah. From, from this guy. So it's cool. We got 14 haircuts in the bucket. The 14th one launched today. It's the first, right? Yeah, yes, it, it launched this morning. Uh, that's called the Riot. It's a mullet. And uh, it's me using clippers on the side and doing a fade with clippers, which is the first clipper action that we've done in the collection. And uh, yeah, our boys at Babyless sent us a bunch of shit. So we, we threw that in to support their gear and complement our, our aesthetic. So yeah, we got the subscription. It's dope. Um, it's imperative for a salon that's trying to build branding to keep um, their stylists on the same page with what's trending. Uh, so everybody's getting the same message, the same language, and again, the same look over and over again in two months. So <clears throat> that's what we've got going. I got a class coming up in April. Uh, no, I'm not. I got August. a class coming up in August. It's another A month. And uh, that we have two seats for later this month. Um, so super stoked to get three people through it right now, hopefully two more. And uh, we got an online class, I think, coming up in November for Cutting Course One. And then pretty much everything else is sold out this year. And we're starting to make our 23 calendar, which is crazy to think. Um, and next year is going to be our year. Next year like, is going to be fun for us. We now have the website built and the means to do all this online stuff. And, wow. and so now it's exciting because we really are we have big plans of marketing and Got momentum. Operations. I have an operations manager now, so I'm working with somebody again, which is very scary and exciting at the same time because they're legit. <laughs> yes, I know. Building yeah. a team is scary, but it's so necessary. And to think, you know, you know, I think just from the experience of salon ownership and then what it took to like run all of that, like having key people in place to help you bring your vision to life and even just grow the vision from something you are thinking it could be to something you can't even fucking see yet. Like it, it's so nice to have people like that in their zone of genius, like someone who's so yeah. versed in operations that you can just show up and do the things that you are meant to be creating. I mean, you've had such an amazing career and the fact that you're still turning around and paying it back to everybody by teaching and doing all the things that you do making it so accessible, so affordable. Um, you guys, if you're listening, if you can't, if you're not local to San Diego, you can get your ass out here for a class in person because I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed and you'll walk away with a skill set that you won't find anywhere else. So this wasn't meant to be a pitch or a plug, but when I see people killing it, take do it, doing the things, <laughs> right? I'm not teaching this. I mean, I want to, I, that is the whole point of this podcast too, is to provide people with information they might not find somewhere else because you don't know what you don't know. And at the end of the day, if you're looking for a different level of, you know, commitment to your skill, if you're looking to just learn something new, if you're looking to refresh something that you might've let go and, and been stale, you can always learn something by watching someone else teach even the exact same thing. So 
Absolutely. We're never too good to keep learning. And if you stay the student, you will always be, I think, the winner. Um, so, Trav, thanks Fair. so much for your time today. I have to come up and see your space. you got to come down to downtown San Diego. I have my new space, too, that I opened, Creative House. Um, it's not necessarily a salon, but it's where I house education. It's probably about 900 square feet. But it sounds similar I'm, to what... I'm open to an invitation. I'm yes, all right. Yes, yes. Yeah. And yeah. I, I personally want to throw you under uh, on, the, on the fire, too. I started my membership called the beauty insiders membership where we teach all about personal branding and talking about ways to kind of like step into owning your personal brand i'd love to have you on as one of our guest speakers on there to help like pour into the the new members as well oh my god just make it eight hours so we can talk all day long <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. yeah we yeah. gotta figure out a way to work together i feel like i have to be in your energy and you're so close we have no excuse I know it's so rad. I'm so happy. I was asking Adriana. I'm like, I think these girls are from San Diego. And she's like, they are. And I'm like, oh my God, I have new friends. This yes, is so fun. I and know. new old friends that I didn't even know we were already Only friends. took 20 years. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, yeah we've got yeah. we got the rest of our life. Better late than never. Yeah. Right or prime now, since so the best time to meet, right? Perfect. Yeah. You didn't want to yeah. do that version anyway. She was a hot mess. Um <laughs> you know, becoming yeah, likewise. Yeah, becoming a, a mom show. always helps, you know. Yeah. So you guys, if you love this episode, it would mean the world if you could share it on your social media, tag both Travis and I, repost your takeaways from today, your biggest ahas or your something that made you laugh. We would love to see it. And as always, I love the reviews for the podcast. It helps really push that up so more people get to see and hear um, just what we're trying to create with Beauty Inspires Beauty, which is all about showing up authentically as yourself. Um, you guys go follow us, Travis. He's on social. Check out the Academy. Um, we're going to post the two dates that are still available for, or the two spots that are still available for August for his in-person. Those will be in the show notes. You guys can click on the link. I will make sure this podcast goes out before then. Um, but if you can't get into anything this year in 2022, make sure you check out the 23 calendar because like I said, I never plug something that I don't fully believe in or somebody that I stand behind. So mm, thank you. we're sending you so much love, Travis. Thank you again. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Oh my God. Thanks so much. Bye everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, it would mean so much to me if you could share it with a girlfriend, like send it to her right now or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out to more people. So until next time, be you unapologetically.